0: a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on Leading & Learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading & Learning. This is episode number 209, Into All the World, The Acts of the Apostles, Part 4. Well, we're going to wrap up our... Kind of introduction to Acts in this episode. I so appreciate you being with me. I appreciate all the great feedback i'll I'll probably be doing this in the the very near future with um, you know some other books of the Bible but you know what we've done just to give you a, a, a quick recap is really we've explored uh, Acts of the Apostles and looked kind of in depth first of all at the background, the historical background. we looked at the author, Dr. Luke. We talked about the audience, who it was written to, a Greek audience, and then the text itself, and that's kind of where we've been the last few weeks, um, digging into the key themes of this really, really important book. Uh, Remember, Acts of the Apostles records roughly the first 30 to 35 years of the early church and how Christianity um, was spread Uh, literally from Jerusalem all the way to Rome and everywhere in between. We talked about some of the key themes, and that's what we're going to finish up with today. But just a quick recap. We talked about the mission which Jesus gave his followers right before he was taken back into heaven. Uh, One of the other key themes is the Holy Spirit and how the early church um, and how God's intent all along has been a Spirit-empowered church. That's been God's plan from really the very beginning, is to have a Spirit-empowered church. Um, We talked about prayer. Um, This is something that Luke really emphasizes in his gospel. We see Jesus at prayer in so many places, and then also in the Acts of the Apostles, we see corporate prayer and individual prayer as really a lifestyle that the early church used. And it's a great example for us today. When there was a crisis they prayed. <clears throat> when things were good, they prayed. You see them praying by themselves, you see them praying together, and uh, prayer was really such an important part of, of, of what they did and, and, and who they were. And then the, the one we stopped with last week was the idea of community. You know, God never intended the Christian life to be lived on our own. He never intended it to be a solo project. Um, in fact, if <clears throat> you're trying to live the Christian life on your own, I'm not really sure you're going to make it. Um, Jesus said that um, you know, really, uh, he designed us to be a community. We're, we're the body of Christ, and and as the body of Christ, we are connected to each other. So we'll even address that question, you know, where someone says, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, I, I like Jesus, okay, but I really don't like his followers. I'm just not even sure that, that, that you can say that and still be a Christian, because if you are a follower of Jesus, you are connected to his body, whether you like it or not. Now, you may be talking about the local expression of the church that you may have had a bad experience with. Well, look, if, if, if you're not happy where you're at, find another one. But by all means, find a place where you can get plugged in and serve. Because really, the Christian life is designed to be lived in community. And then today, we're going to wrap it up by talking about leadership. And there's a very, very strong leadership component in Acts of the Apostles. And so we're going to dig into that. But before we do, before we get going, I want to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Reflections on the Resurrection. You know, I'm recording this just a few short weeks away from Easter. and I really can't think of any better time to be reflecting on uh, the passion of Jesus. Um, Obviously his death, but really his death has no meaning at all except for the resurrection. It's the resurrection of Jesus from the dead that gives meaning to his death and everything else. In fact, the resurrection is the most important event in history. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, nothing else Matters. So I encourage you to check out Reflections on the Resurrection. It's devotional, it's educational, and it's apologetic. And when I say apologetic, we're not apologizing. Somebody actually asked me about that. We're not apologizing for anything. The word apologetics means to be able to defend our faith. And so what we do in, in Resur- uh, Reflections on the Resurrection is um, in several of the chapters, we talk about arguments that have been raised against the historical. Physical resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We address those arguments and really give you some some evidence. You know, remember, I was a cop for thirty years. I look for evidence. What can I what can I build a case with? What is the evidence that's going to help me build the case um, when I go to court? Well, it's the same with the resurrection. There is plenty of great evidence. And we talk about so much of it. So check out Reflections on the Resurrection. And if by chance you're listening to this sometime after Easter, no worries. Read the book. You'll really enjoy it. Well, all right, we are back. And we're about to dive into the leadership theme that we see in the Acts of the Apostles. You know, we're going to start at the very beginning. In chapter 1... The Apostle Peter, remember, this was the man who denied Jesus three times, but Jesus reinstated him. And He said, when you turn back, you are going to be um, a catalyst. You're going to be one who's going to lead your brothers, in essence is what Jesus told him. And so we see in the first few chapters of Acts, but especially in chapter 1, we see this transition. You know, Jesus has been the man. He's been with his followers for three years. They followed him, and 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 he's led them, and he's answered all their questions, but now he's gone. And so there's this vacuum. There's this leadership vacuum, which is always uncomfortable. And, and Peter stepped up, and he took charge. When you read Acts 1, you see him leading a small group of not only the the uh, disciples themselves, the 11 that were left after Judas deserted them, but also 120, a t- 100, total of 120 followers of Jesus. And so you see Peter leading them through this very, very difficult transition. And, you know, really you see Peter um, stepping in, and the first order of business is filling that vacant spot that Judas had left out. And it's interesting because. Jesus had been with his disciples for 40 days after the resurrection and he didn't make any effort to replace Judas. He had picked the original 12, but it's almost like he was saying, "All right guys, I'm going to let you you handle this. I'm going to let you all handle this important first decision. Who's going to take Judas Iscariot's place?" So when Jesus was taken back into heaven, Peter leads the the 11 in picking a replacement. And so you see this and in, in so many other ways. You see Peter leading strong through transition. And transitional leadership is such an important part of leadership. If you've ever inherited a team or um, taken over a church or taken over a business or stepped into a leadership role where maybe the leadership before you was a bit lacking, Or maybe it was very different from your leadership style. You know how how important and how even difficult transitional leadership can be. And so Acts really does give us in several places some great themes for um, and some great ideas for um, transitional leadership. You also see the apostles, the, the, the group of 12 who really were leading the early church, you see them leading... This, this group of Jesus followers who really for the first maybe few years is still trying to get their feet under them. Even after the Holy Spirit fell and the, the things really started popping, you know, there's revival in, in so many areas. I think they're still in, in a lot of ways trying to get their feet under them. And, and you see the apostles, you see the 12 leading through this period of growth and also this period that involved a number of different crises Um, you know, obviously there's persecution from without. We see that on uh, several occasions. But we also see within the church, we see some crises. There's the, the crises of Ananias and Sapphira. Peter deals with that one. That's in Acts 5. But in Acts 6, we see this really big, big problem that pops up inside the church. The 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 church was really kind of divided between those who were were born in Palestine, who considered themselves the real Jewish Christians, and then there were other Jewish Christians who were born outside of Palestine. These spoke Greek as as, as their primary language, and so they were actually kind of looked down upon a little bit. We might even say that the behavior of the um, uh, Israeli or Palestinian-born Jews might have even been a little bit prejudicial. But... You know we're all one body, and God's called us to get along. And so you see um, this crisis that crops up at Acts six because the Hebrew um, uh, Jews, the Hebrew Christians, were and probably inadvertently um, neglecting the widows, the Greek-speaking widows, during the the daily feeding. The early church took care of those who were poor among their their number, and there were a number of widows who who uh, were were evidently poor and didn't have family to take care of them, so the church said, we'll take care of you. And it may have been because they didn't speak the language and didn't know how to speak up, but for whatever reason, they were neglected. And so there was this really serious tipping point here. This could have been a, a very serious break within the early church, but the apostles stepped in and brilliantly addressed This crisis. And notice what they didn't do when you read Acts 6. The apostles didn't say, hey, listen, we'll handle this problem. You know, there's 12 apostles. I mean, think about it. Each one could have said, okay, I'll take a month and make sure the widows get fed. I'll oversee the project. That would have been a great way to handle it. That would have even been, we would even be talking about that and say, that's good leadership. They divvied it up. They delegated it. And they made sure it got done. But you know, they didn't. Here's what they did. They told these Greek-speaking Christians, these Greek-speaking Jews who were Christians, they said, you appoint leaders from among your own number to make sure this problem gets solved. They gave them criteria. They said the leaders have to meet these standards. But after you find these people, bring them to us. We'll lay our hands on them, and they will take care of this. What a brilliant solution. They made the group that was affected by the problem... Part of the solution. Instead of saying, "Hey, we're going to solve your problem," they said, "Hey, you solve the problem. We'll work together on this." So this is this man. What great principles! Um, you know, this this says encouragement. Listen, we believe in you. We believe you can pick the right leaders. It says that we're going to give you trust. We're going to give you authority to make decisions. And then, obviously, the the relationship here is very, very important. And so, you know, this is this is really, really good leadership. Um, you know, one of the things we also see in Acts when we talk about this this important component of leadership, we see a pretty significant leadership shift from Peter to James, the brother of Jesus. And I actually talk about this quite a bit in my book, uh, Peter and Paul and Acts. And if, if you're interested, I encourage you to check it out. But But I think essentially what happened was was, you know, we're, we all have different gifts and talents. And Peter, as we said, when there was a leadership vacuum in the beginning, he stepped in and took over. But at some point, Peter realized that was not his ultimate gifting. That was not his ultimate skill set, was the leadership and administrative, administration of a large and growing church. He was much more of an evangelist and a, and a prophetic minister. And so um, we see a transition from Peter to James the brother of Jesus. And this is fascinating because if you remember, James wasn't even a Christian. He was not a follower of his brother Jesus while Jesus was still alive. He mocked Jesus. He he questioned him. He he you know, James and the brothers of Jesus, they gave their 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 big brother a hard time whenever they they got the opportunity. But after the resurrection of Jesus, it says in 1 Corinthians 15 that that Jesus appeared to James, and they had a talk. Man, wouldn't you have loved to have heard that talk? But after that, in Acts 1, you see James and the rest of the brothers of Jesus, and obviously his mother, with the the apostles. They're part of that 120 in the upper room um, after Jesus was taken back into heaven. So, So James began to grow as a believer, and he became the, the the de facto, well, he did, he became the leader of the early church after Peter. We see this transition, it's actually referred to the first time in Acts 15, but it's you see it later on in the book as well. And, you know, again, transitional leadership, but sometimes, you know, I mean, this is normal. I mean, you've seen it in your company, you know, the boss leaves and another one comes in. You've seen it in your church you know, one pastor leaves and another one comes in. A youth leader leaves. We just had a transition in our church where the, the youth leaders who've been there for several years, um, you know, feel like God was calling them to go plant a church in another state. And so they left with the blessing of the leadership. And because we believe so strongly in developing leaders within, another young couple was raised up um, from within our own church. We, we seldom go in higher from without. We try and develop leaders from within. And so... You know, we believe that's a scriptural pattern. So that's what we see with James. James was developed, James took over, and James led the early church after Peter. And then, um, you know, we'll kind of wrap up talking about this man, is the Apostle Paul. You know, as I said, I wrote that book, Peter and Paul in Acts, because they are the two most eminent apostles in the early church, the two most eminent apostles in the book of Acts, And really, the first half of the book of Acts talks about Peter. The second half talks about Paul, and Paul just gives us such a great, great uh, case study in leadership. I mean, you know the story. He was a a persecutor of the church. He, He put Christians in jail, but he had probably the most dramatic conversion in history in Acts chapter nine, and then immediately began to preach the gospel that he had persecuted. And we see him, um, first of all, um, after spending some time in his home area preaching and probably planting churches, we're not sure, we see Barnabas go after him and really set up a mentoring situation in, in the church in Antioch. And for over a year, they're part of the pastoral team. And you know, Paul's not even the number one guy at this point. Barnabas is the senior pastor. Paul's actually listed number four in the the list of leaders in that church. But after a a year or more of ministry and pastoring and leading this church in Antioch, Barnabas and Paul are released into missionary service. They begin to go out, and for probably a year and a half, give or take, they go on their first missionary journey, planting churches. And at some point on this trip, it's very obvious that Paul steps to the forefront and begins to lead. And he goes on several other missionary journeys. And, and you know, sometimes when we think of Paul, we, we think of this guy who's like the Lone Ranger. We think of this guy who's larger than life. And in many areas he was, but he was no Lone Ranger. When you look at the Apostle Paul's ministry in Acts and then read all his letters, you see that he was the consummate team builder. He never ministered on his own. He always had somebody with him. He had Barnabas. He had... Uh, Silas, he had Timothy, he had Titus, he had Luke, um, Mark, you know, so many others. Uh, in fact, if you count up all the names that Paul mentions and that are mentioned in connection with him in Acts and in his letters, it's around a hundred people. Um, and two, my, my gosh, how could I forget Priscilla and Aquila, two of Paul's greatest. Team members, a married couple that he worked with in Corinth and in Ephesus. So so Paul was this incredible example of what leadership looked like. wasn't perfect. He had some fallout with some of his leaders. He and Barnabas had a big argument. But ultimately, he was the guy who took Christianity from the, the backwoods of Palestine into and throughout the Roman Empire. We also see Paul resolving conflict. When you study the relationship of of Paul and John Mark, this is just an amazing study because these guys were traveling together on their first missionary journey. They had a big blowout. There's no telling how long they didn't speak or have contact, but then later in Paul's ministry, they're back together again. And in Paul's last letter, he, he refers to John Mark as someone who's useful in ministry. And, you know, if you want to read more about that, my book, uh, New Testament Snapshots, there's actually a whole chapter on John Mark and talks about this conflict between he and Paul. So so check out uh, uh, New Testament Snapshots. Well, um, we're going to wrap it up there. You know, we've talked about leadership today in Acts. Obviously, we've just scratched the surface of it. But dig through Acts, and as you're reading through, look for leadership principles because you will be amazed at what you find. Well, now it's your turn, and I would love to hear from you. Go to davidspell.com. Leave me a question or comment in the comment section of today's post. If you want to shoot me an email, it's pretty simple. It's just david at davidspell.com. And and while you're at my my website, davidspell.com, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter. It's a great way for us to stay in touch. I'll protect your email address. In fact, I never give them away. Um, I'll just be in touch with you periodically to... Um, send out you know, just great information that I, that I think you'll really enjoy. Well, friends, thanks for being with me. And until next time, let's keep reading the Acts of the Apostles.